0: Today is Monday, February 3rd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 352 with Boston Sports Journal Celtics beat writer Brian Robb is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. All right, welcome into another Monday edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman with you, and appreciate you following along. I know we bounce around days sometimes. Obviously, last week, a very unusual, different kind of show, the Kobe Bryant tribute. I had a lot of, I mean, I guess I shouldn't use the word fun, but it was a pleasurable experience to do that show for a number of different reasons that I won't get into right now. But if you want to go back, listen to it, it's, I think, still my pinned tweet you should check it out. It's it's a good listen, I think, anyway, and, and a really interesting look back on Kobe's life, his career, and obviously things much closer to home as far as just his role as a dad and everything that happened with the passing of he and his daughter Gianna in that helicopter crash. But we're getting back to normal, normal C for this podcast and uh, life as it relates to the Celtics here. And for some reason, all sorts of people have been tweeting about how it's baseball season now because the Super Bowl is over and hopefully you watched that game. It was a fun one. As far as I'm concerned, though, all eyes on hoops and hockey now. And if you go by ratings, really, it's it's hardwood. As we know, hockey is a, a niche sport as much as I love it. Now, I I won't bother with all the what you may have missed monologue if you didn't think it was basketball season yet for some reason, because if you're listening to this show you know exactly what's up with the Celtics. Our job is to dissect it, move the conversation along, get you thinking, and get some great analysis from someone close to the action. So, who better than Brian Robb? C's beat writer for Boston Sports Journal. B. Robb, it's been a while. How are you, pal? It's good, man, yeah. Excited for... Uh which should be
1: a busy week here across the, across the league.
0: Yeah, definitely not a normal week. Trade deadline right around the corner. It's coming up in a few days, depending on when you're listening. If you're listening today, Monday, it's on Thursday. If uh, you get to the podcast a little later, obviously, it will be that much closer. But – before we get to all the trade deadline stuff, let's just talk about what's been going on with this team, because the Celtics, they suffered through that little three-game skid last month. Since then, though, and in spite of injuries to Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and his Cantor, not all at once, but, you know, at points, these guys out of the lineup, Boston has still won six of seven, including poundings of would-be playoff teams, beat the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Magic, the Heat, the Sixers, uh, most recently on Saturday, all pretty comfortably too, for the most part. What's impressed you most about this run?
1: I would say first and foremost would be the defense. Um, during back during that three-game losing streak before the Lakers game, uh, Brad Stevens held a film session on that Sunday, and it was uh, just from talking to the players, it was a, a defense-only film session, and that was an area where they had always had surprise early in the year, but there had been some clear you know, slippage uh, during these middle months of the year, during the dog days. And ever since then, um, you know, they obviously came out and destroyed the Lakers in that first game after it. But uh, the the effort has kind of sustained on that front. They've been the best defensive team in the league over the past two weeks. And they're getting great contributions from, you know, guys like Tatum and, and Hayward and Tice in the starting lineup. And obviously, you know, smarts, is what he is, but like mm-hmm. the the role got you know the the wings have been spectacular, kind of just you know flying around everywhere and you know ramping up the ball pressure, and then on top of it you got bench contributors like Grant Williams and Shemiozelay that have played some really good basketball and have been very solid on that end of the floor. So uh, I do think you know when push comes to shove, this team is going to win more um, with defense than offense, especially in the postseason and. The fact that they were able to kind of, you know, reset on that front and and sustain a high level of play on that on the floor for, you know, in the middle of the year is, is, is I think, very big for uh, what this team's ceiling could be.
0: Well, and that's really the Brad Stevens way. I mean, it's been that way since he arrived. Obviously, personnel has changed a lot over time. You've had some guys that are better defensively than others and, and some that, you know, are, are downright terrible at it especially usually at the point guard position. That's not the case with Kemba Walker. He tries hard, and he's, he's been pretty solid. But, you know, Brad Stevens the kind of guy, and, and he coaches this way. He'd much prefer that his teams win, you know, 90-85 to 85 than 110-105. to 105.
1: Exactly. Like, that's just his, you know, DNA going back to the Butler days. And you can just tell by, even all year long, just in, like, you know, who he's playing in crunch time, it's like you look at a guy like Cantor who has been a a big piece for this team, obviously a huge rebounding boost, but uh, he really hasn't played crunch time all year long. And that's because Stevens will seem like understandably emphasizes defense ahead of offense um, in those minutes, in those crucial parts of the game. So he wants, again, these guys to have the kind of, you know, the mentality, the, with their size, obviously, they can't really afford to make mistakes and, They don't have a big rim protector to kind of clean things up for them back there. So everyone needs to be locked in in all areas of the floor, and and this is a sign that, you know, Stevens has gotten through this team on that front in ways that, you know, last year's team just didn't happen
0: consistently. All right, so obviously talking defense, but the offense has had a lot of success lately too, and and you can look at it on an individual basis. I've spent a lot of time on this over the course of the season. What's really impressed me most this year, about the team in general, has been its consistent balance. You know, we're seeing a lot of that lately. You got Jalen Brown, his last six games, he's averaging 23 points. Jason Tatum, his last five, averaging 24. Gordon Hayward, his last five, he's 21 per. Kemba Walker, his last seven, 24 per. Part of the reason, obviously, is not everyone has played every single game. That'll help your averages. But the underlying point here, B-Rob, is guys are stepping up when others are unavailable. And it gets people talking about the whole hospital Celtics thing again. You know, are they better when they're actually a man down and and there's more clarity about roles and guys are getting their shots and all that stuff. But point is, guys are stepping up when they have to. No question.
1: And that is an area where, again, we're seeing it now with, you know, Kemba Walker and Cantor being the latest two guys to kind of miss a stretch of games here. But whereas earlier in the season, or like things kind of went awry for the Celtics last month, I feel like when the contributions weren't consistent, when guys were out and the role guys weren't really stepping up in their place. And that that has changed in the last few weeks. And you're getting clearly great play at the top from the likes of Tatum, Brown, you know Hayward has been very consistent outside of a couple stinkers. He's been great, but you're also getting some solid play from the Grant Williams of the world, who you know is I think shooting something like forty percent from three ever since he broke that over twenty five slump mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And then Brad Wanamaker was in a brutal slump, but came back with a season high fifteen points against the Sixers. Ojale is shooting thirty six percent from three this year which is a career high, which doesn't sound great, but when you just look at what he's done with the rest of this career, that's a, that's a big step for him. And I think Tice might be one of the most underrated pieces of all in this team in terms of what he's bringing, you know, in, from an all-around capacity, but he's finishing well, shooting 54% from the field on offense too, kind of carrying a beer load when Cantor's when out in that area. So it's coming from all different spots. The the fact that the, the cohesion still looks strong on the offensive end, when guys are fully healthy, when all the wings are healthy on the floor, and the Hayward, Brown, Tatum mold, I think it kind of reaches a point now where, you know, those guys, for all the the trade rumblings and of you know, hypotheticals and stuff, I think those guys strictly have, you know, they've earned, they've shown they've been good enough to like, alright, we should, they earn the right to kind of see this out for this season with that group just to see like, okay, let's see what they can do together. It looks really good when it's all together. It hasn't been together as much as the front office and Brett Stevens probably would have liked, but um, the pieces are there where it should. The only talk should be just about adding, as opposed to like subtracting any of those guys.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to some of the trade conversation a little bit later on because obviously that with a full roster, which they have contractually speaking, that does become a question: is if somebody's coming in, who's going out? Is it one of the rookies, a Carson Edwards or Romeo Langford? Is it Vincent Poirier Is you know who's it going to be? So we'll get to some of that stuff, but. Specifically on a guy who is absolutely not going to be traded, maybe ever, Jason Tatum. He's an all-star, found out over the uh, last few days, and he's going to be a reserve. Kemba Walker, as we know, starting for the East. And uh, Tatum pretty psyched when he found out.
1: Deuce came in in the back with my dad's all-star shirt, and that was icing on the cake. I wanted to cry. I didn't cry. I might cry later, though. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I, I'm something I'm not going to take for granted. You know, it's only 24. You know, guys get to make the All-Star team, so super thankful. And uh, I'm just going to enjoy the the opportunity in the moment.
0: Here's where you get to think a little bit. I was talking about this with my producer Evan Valenti, who obviously you know, and he occasionally hosts this show. Now he thinks Tatum may already be the best player on this team. I'm not there yet. I still think it's Kemba, but just because really of how seamlessly it, it feels like Walker can take over a game when he has to i don't think tatum can consistently do that yet every once in a while sure but what do you think is is tatum the the best player on this team at this point
1: uh i would have to say it's very very close but if you when you bring the defense into play i think you have to go tatum um just from a standpoint of what he's bringing this team on that end of the floor um from his rebounding to his, you know, ability to switch, contest on the perimeter, Kemba is brings great effort on defense and is in the right spot most of the time as one of the, you know, among the league leader in charges. But his size still makes him a pretty big liability there. And if you just look at the on-off numbers, you know, the the Southern defense is far better with him off the court. Now that can, you can that can be skewed in a number of different ways, but you just look at what Tatum is. Tatum is the Celtics are drastically better with Tatum on the floor, both from an offensive and defensive perspective. And while in crunch time with the game on the line, I probably you know want to go to Kemba first over Tatum in that kind of situation. Like Tatum is still as good of a second option as you'll get around the league um, as for a 21 year old anyway. So it's it still could go back and forth. By end of the year, it might be Kemba. But given just the the how the team has looked about Tatum this year and how much he's kind of improved on the defensive end, I feel like this season i I lean towards Tatum on that front
0: keep going with that. How much has the defense really impressed you for tatum because it's it's not as though he was ever a bad defender, but obviously the leaps that he has made even just since last year, never mind his rookie year it's i mean it's been incredibly noticeable
1: yeah it's i mean it's something that you've had everyone since from Brad Stevens to Greg Gregg Popovich uh, kind of rave about with Tatum, and I think you know when you talk about the value of Tatum going playing in World Cup with with a coach like Popovich, it sounds like Popovich kind of called him out on his defense at times during that training camp over there, and really maybe made a point. And when you get made a point from a legendary guy like that, like that stuff speaks volumes um, or has a lasting impact and. You could see at times, like I said, he was never a bad defender. He's always came into the league, you know, as good as you'd want for a nineteen-year-old. And but he's really, I feel like, just gotten smarter, gotten more disciplined with things like closeouts. Like he, like last year, I felt like he would get, you know, he'd overrun closeouts a lot and kind of leave himself vulnerable to drives there. That really hasn't been an issue at all this year. And you factor that in with just the the rebounding work he's doing down low, the ability to. His versatility in guarding anyone from a shooting guard to a power forward, and it's just you know he's just a great team defender and a, and a very solid individual defender. So there's not a lot of guys that can check those boxes and also score twenty points a game, and he's already there three years in his career. So that's that's what should make that's what makes him pretty much a lock for a you know a max player when his extension comes up next summer.
0: There was debate I don't know how much of a debate it was necessarily but there was debate as to who's going to be an all-star for this team after Kemba Kemba was a lock and so it was Tatum or Brown it wasn't going to be both and you could make the case both were deserving it just wasn't realistically going to happen the Celtics weren't going to get three all-stars so it was one or the other I felt and you know some of this it, it gets skewed when guys go on runs but I'd agreed, uh, and, and this was my point. I had talked about this a lot on the show even before Zach Lowe wrote his column. I agreed with Zach. I thought that between the two, again, both deserving, but I would have been more inclined that Brown is the guy uh, just slight edge over Tatum. But I could understand why people would make the case, obviously, for Tatum, with, especially with what he's doing defensively, which you know he had not done in the past. But I've really appreciated how Brown has reacted to being snubbed for the all-star spot you know not only off the floor obviously but on it two games 40 points 53 percent shooting 16 rebounds plus 29 he's performed well had that breakout against the Sixers which I know meant a lot to him after he had struggled in the first few matchups this year here's what uh, Brad Stevens Marcus Smart and Brown all quickly had to say or just uh, about how they're feeling about Brown and and not being an all-star and where he is right now
1: more important to be playing like an all-star than to be named one. Nobody exemplifies that better. I think we've seen, you know, his progression as a basketball player, as an individual off the court and, and things like that. But uh, he's definitely putting the work. He's in the gym every day, and uh, it shows. And you know, everybody is happy for Jalen. Think he should have been an all-star. I think he was snub Getting ready to to head into the playoffs is, you know, what my mind is on right now. Uh, all-star break, you know, I probably go on vacation, get my mind, get my body right, get ready for the, the playoffs because that's that's it you know what i mean that's the stage that you want to be on i think some people got it backwards
0: as usual brown has the right idea and this is just part of his advanced maturity that we've been talking about really since he joined the celtics but he said he's not disappointed just working on building good habits and on and on what has stood out to you
1: yeah that that quote you just played i was in the room when he said that and that stuck out to me uh easily above anything he said just uh He's got, you know, he's had a great head on his shoulders ever since he came into the league, but his maturity, you know, in terms of how he's handled the situation, especially when you just compare it to how other people across the league have have handled the situation (laughs) of not making the All-Star. Yeah, uh, being offended, disrespected. Right. It's just like, I mean, it's great, it's an honor, but, like, Brown is like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to be, you know, I've played some of my best basketball of my career in, recent postseasons, and I'm going to be there again this year, and that's where, you know, I can shine the brightest. People aren't going to remember how someone played in the All-Star game. They're going to remember how they played in the conference finals or something like that. So it's a great sign from a C's perspective If after they invested in Brown this year, uh, just how he's responded to that pretty much. I mean, he's been the most improved player on this team, Adam, I feel like, just when you just look at, his stats across the board from shooting to rebounding to even assists.
0: Oh yeah. Career highs in basically every meaningful category. Exactly. So
1: you just look at that, you know, you usually it's, you can see guys around the league that they get their big contract and kind of take a step back or just a step sideways. But Brown has done the exact opposite here while saying all the right things. So, uh, again, for a guy who's 23, um, I think he, you know his his case for the All-Star game was as good as anyone. That was uh, quote unquote snubbed here, and you just have to so like where you're at for him, knowing that the the, the big contract you signed to or he looks like a bargain, knowing that he would have surely command the max uh, if he did hit the restricted free agent market this summer.
0: Get right back to B-Rob in a sec. I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Football season, I know, sadly, it is all over. I hope you cleaned up, not only during the big game, but for the entire season. But even though football season is done, doesn't mean you're out of opportunities to make some cash. NBA futures, yeah, we're talking hoops here, obviously. They're still in play. Now... You got the Lakers plus 250, Bucks 300, Clippers plus 400, Sixers plus 1,000, Celtics plus 2,000. This is to win a championship. You know, I'm going back to that pod back over the summer or right before the season with Ian Thompson. I'm just, as well as they've played, I'm not a big Lakers guy. I think the Bucks at plus 300, that's probably where your value is at. I'm not a big buyer on the Sixers and... You know, I'm not sure I'm gonna even at plus two thousand lay it down on the Celtics either. Much as I would be thrilled if that happened again, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. I'm not sure I'm uh, I'm I'm quite at that point. But the Bucks plus three hundred, Lakers plus two fifty, Clippers plus four hundred. I mean, there's there's some value there with the Clips as well. BetOnline.ag also has your odds for NBA MVP, Rookie of the Year, so many other things. If you're looking to score on more than just basketball, BetOnline.ag has you covered. Golf, soccer, hockey. Baseball futures are out. Tons of options to keep you busy. You don't see a prop bet you really like? That's okay. Make it up on the spot. BetOnline.ag will give you a line for it. Remember when you go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. That's BetOnline.ag and the promo code is CLNS50. All right, Let's get back to Brian Robb. You mentioned Grant Williams before, Shemi Ogilvy as well, but specifically Grant. And he's, uh, you know, he, he kind of went from, and I don't, I don't blame him, he's a rookie. There are going to be ebbs and flows and rookie walls and all that stuff. But he basically went from being on a milk carton to being that, uh, you know, the Undertaker gift where he pops out of the coffin and he's, you know, wide awake with, with Ennis Cantor out here. And, oh, he's alive. And, you know, he's he he really has, it's not that he's filled the void statistically, he hasn't, but he has made his presence felt. Is this... Do you think, in watching it, is it more about the matchups that he's been featured in, or has he shown that he should be—never mind, could be—should be part of the rotation come the playoffs if this keeps up? Yeah, I
1: think I think he's just gotten more comfortable, to be honest. And it comes on both ends of the floor. He's he works his butt off from just you know seeing him um, working out two or three hours before games and just talking to the staff around the team. Uh, just in terms of trying to make himself be that incredibly mobile, big defender that also has a high IQ, and so you're seeing a lot of progress. And then the floor is getting smarter in terms of how he's handling those situations. And offensively, you know, he's not gonna, you're not gonna need much from him. You're not gonna ask much for him, but he's been better just finishing around the basket a little bit. And you know, the three point shooting is. I mean, he's still only shooting twenty three percent from three. Still, a still a long way to go to, to really even out those averages. But if you just take the snapshot of the last two months, it's it's it looks very good. So you just you're not expect any kind of contribution from a rookie at yeah, on a uh, especially one that was drafted in the last half of the first round on a, a contending or a wannabe mm-hmm. contender here with the Celtics. It's like it's hard to come by, but it's clear that Brad Stevens trusts him. Out of any the rookies or anyone, any he, he might be his most trusted bench big period at this point. So, um, at least from a defensive standpoint, Cantor obviously is going to you know command the playing time when he gets back. But uh, from a defensive standpoint at the five, Williams has been as solid as anyone, and um, you know he, they're going to keep the, the results are good when he's on the floor most of the time, and so he's going get, to keep getting chances.
0: To your point about just the fact this is a contending team where the Celtics are in the standings. They're tied for third in the East with the Heat, two games behind the Raptors, eight and a half behind the Bucks for first. So, you know, forget about that. They're not going to win the East, at least regular season wise. But with, I think it's 34 games left in the regular season now, how much should we obsess over the standings? Or is it just kind of keep an eye on it? You know, they got to finish top four just to be at home to start. And that's really all that should matter right now.
1: It's a good question. I'd say it is where... Worth- watching pretty closely all year because it is so tight and the matchups do matter so much in terms of a individual basis whether you're fa- placing playing a team like the sixers in the first round or or whether you you do or do not have home court games so uh, one or two regular season losses might be you know might not seem like much in the moment but they could ultimately be the difference between you know a first round out or a trip to the conference finals when you think about, like, tiebreakers and home court and just individual and teams that the Celtics match up against versus the ones that they don't, or just not even having to face a good team in the first round. Like, you could, if you get that two seed, you could face a sub-500 team in the first round, and if you don't, you could face the Sixers in the first round or the Pacers in the first round. So that is a monumental difference from both, like, you know, not that the Celtics are going win you those series, but that's going to be a slugfest. Evo's and uh, a matchup against the magic could very well not be one and so when that's why you i think you've seen brad stevens really tighten things up with his rotation with in recent matchups playing heavy minutes first against in games against the heat on the road games that the Seas really needed to win to you know because those games count as two in the standings essentially so uh, and that's why I think, again, it's going to be critical for Danny Ames to add a piece or two ahead of the trade deadline here to to provide the added depth needed to win games without leaning too heavily on the Campbell the Walkers and the Jason Tams of the world um, to, to win these
0: games. All right. 20 or so minutes into this show. Let's get to the stuff people really care about because – most timely, right? Trade deadline, again, Thursday. It's right around the corner, 3 p.m., so it'll be right there in the middle of the day for people to obsess over. And most degree, Boston needs additional reliable scoring off the bench. And this is stuff that you've been writing about, Boston Sports Journal. You've done your trade deadline primers. I'm sure you're not done doing them either. And, you know, some people are kind of fixated on a big. Guys like, I don't know, Tristan Thompson, Derek Favors, uh, Dwayne Dedman, Nerlens Noel, obviously Clint Capella's name is out there now because he's reportedly being shot by the Rockets specifically to East teams. I don't think any of that is realistic with the way that, as you said before, Daniel Tice has played, and especially if Robert Williams does return and and is you know a, a serviceable athletic big, you know, and his Cantor if that injury isn't too serious, so all these guys, you know, there there is a, a a good collection of bigs on this team, and they all kind of bring something a little bit different. I don't think a big is. Necessary, you know. Big band by committee has actually kind of worked out for this group, and and the stats do bear that out. So, what is Danny Ainge prioritizing?
1: Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it on that front. I I do think that um, it's just hard with the, the amount of money those guys you mentioned would be upgrades. It's just hard to make a trade for them with the amount of money they make. So, there will if DeCesaro I think will be active on the on the buyout market if any you know any so big guy gets bought out and wants an opportunity like the Celtics will come knocking for sure but in the meantime when it comes to trades I think what you're looking for is just you need to look for a guy that Brad Stevens can trust to play in a playoff series like someone who could make a difference someone who can be an upgrade in spots over a Brad Wanamaker or a chemio Ojale or even a Grant Williams at times guys that are you know are good valuable contributors guys that you'd still play in certain spots but you might not you might want a potential upgrade or an offensive better offensive upside there. So I think you're looking at a couple areas. I think you're just looking for three point shooting. And it could that could come in the form of a stretch big like uh a Burke or a Balisa um out in Sacramento.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you're looking for more of a a guard or a wing creator. Um where that's bugged on Bogdanovich or a lower-profile name like an Alec Burks or a Reggie Bullock or Damian Dotson with the Knicks or, you know, by-low guys, essentially, that aren't going to be that splashy but at least gives you uh, a three-point shooting option. Um, Bogdanovich would be the big piece. That'd be a guy who you could play 25 minutes a game. Um, Someone you'd have to go up significant capital for, but would have the ability to keep since he's a restricted free agent. Um, but it's the Kings, so you, who the hell knows what Vlade Divac <laughs> is doing out there? That is the the ultimate wild card <laughs> for that situation. But that that'd be one of the guys that would be on the top of my list.
0: Something you said that I think is interesting, and you know, a lot of those names obviously familiar. Some of the ones we've been talking on about on this show, and it does seem like, like you said, Bogdanovich is is kind of the the prize of that group of you know maybe most realistic type of targets. But, you know, I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago I had Sean Devaney on the show and posed the same question. and We were just going round and round talking about some of the guys. But what he said uh, that flew counter to what you just said is that he thinks that if, if something's going to get done for this team, it's going to be a trade. He doesn't think the Celtics will be all that active at all on the buyout market because right now they have a full roster. So who are you getting on the buyout market that you're going to bring in and then basically cut somebody that you currently have? So, you know, I'll ask you that question. You know, who who do you think, never mind who would potentially come in, we don't know who's going to be bought out, but who would the Celtics be ready to just cut loose in order to bring somebody in?
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a good point by Sean. And when I say buyout market too, I feel like that would, I, I do agree with like they wouldn't just cut anyone on this team outright uh, in most situations unless like an appealing big comes out. Cause even with a, uh, even a guy like Vincent Poirier, who's been kind of glued to the end of the bench here, they, they still hold him, we'll him money for next year. Mm. So you ideally don't want to just dump that guy and have that money on your books um, for next season when the luxury tax will come into play. So I do think, you know, creating a trade, in you know, a any trade essentially would, would solve the issue for the sellers from that front because there's not going to be a lot of – given this low salary on the seasonal roster, you're probably going to have to do a two-for-one or a three-for-one right to make a deal work for a lot of guys, and that would open up the roster spots essentially to add a buyout piece or two um, in that type of scenario. But, yeah, I mean, the only guy I could see them cutting out, right, um, you know, if – if a really appealing big became available on the buyout market, which seems like very unlikely to happen, um, I could see them, you know, letting go Poirier for that and just eating the money, knowing that if it's a sizable enough upgrade for the now, but that type of scenario seems unlikely, you know, because that why would that guy become available? That guy would get traded right. before he gets bought out.
0: Well, and that, that's the type of thing, too, that I think kind of gets lost on, I mean, not everyone, but maybe some people that might be listening who just kind of look at, potential trades and who you could add and don't necessarily think of the the roster mechanics and the juggling that Danny Ainge, Mike Zarin, that these guys have to do. Like, you know, when uh, Willie Colley-Stein got dealt, what was it, just for a second-round pick, something like that? And I know some people was, well, why can't you just give up a pick and get a guy like that? Well, you have to physically send out a player. You can't just trade a a draft pick to bring in a guy. You know, same concept as what we were just talking about with the buyout.
1: Exactly. So... You have to, I mean, the, the Mavericks dumped a guy to the Thunder to make that deal happen before to open up that roster spot. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics don't have a lot of guys they'd want to dump. I mean, Poirier is someone they liked before the season, and obviously he's still, you know, he's 26. They clearly think that there's something that, you know, they saw in him that to give him a two-year deal.
0: <laughs> we're we're and... still trying to find
1: it. We're just trying to find it, and it's, you know, (laughs) it's dope. We've seen, like, it's a late bloomer situation, but, yeah, like, they're not going to – they can't just dump him. They probably would have to give up something to dump him right now, which is the problem. Right. So you're not going to – at that point it becomes, okay, then you're going to dump him in a second-round pick and then give up another pick to get someone else. Is that enough of an upgrade for a guy like Holly Stein? Like, no. Like, you should be shooting higher in terms of – the upgrade you're trying to make, if you're giving up that kind of capital. So, again, there'll be a, a thousand scenarios rolling around, but when you see other trades happen, it's not just oh, because the Celtics could have done that. It's just like, okay, would, was that trade enough, good enough, to like close your other windows of opportunity? Because the Celtics probably only have like one real big swing here, and based on their roster construction, and so you want to get a guy that makes a meaningful difference rather than a guy in college Stein, who you know, might be your fourth best center on the roster.
0: So you mentioned a bunch of guys that, you know, could theoretically be targets obviously for Danny Gange, but you know, as, as you pull out the magic eight ball or your crystal ball or whatever it might be, do you think a deal gets done? I do this year. I
1: think they haven't made the trade, a trade in our meeting fun season trade, I should say they tr- they salary jumped Jabari Bird last year, but that Isaiah trade in 2015 was their last, uh, you know, big trade at a deadline, even in season at all. And this year, I think you have a couple of factors in play that why it gets done. Number one, they're good enough to act. It's worth investing in this team. Like they're a, they're a top five team in the NBA right now. They have some clear holes on the roster and they could use some help on the bench. There's no, like, there's no questioning that like for as much as, Brad Stevens says he likes the team, and I believe him, There's this is still a, a flawed team in, at times, and so that he could use some help there. The Celtics have the pieces to add with these additional first-round picks from Memphis, from Milwaukee. Uh, they obviously – and on top of that, you're probably not going to have room to keep all these picks anyway. Like, you're probably going to have to either trade out of the draft or trade other parts of your roster, um, you can obviously consolidate. You don't have to necessarily address that issue now, but when you have a chance to help yourself in the present and plan for the future, then it's, it kind of makes sense to do something with it now rather than put pressure on yourself at the you know the draft to draft and stash or to consolidate, because other teams know that then, and they kind of squeeze you. Um, so... You know, find a, a piece that makes sense now, upgrade the roster, and then you'll maybe get a guy that can stay around for a year or two, whether he can resign or he's under team control. And then you have a piece that, you know, is helping you for the future as well.
0: So just for fun, and maybe you'll be right, maybe you'll be wrong. Honestly, who cares? This stuff is generally unpredictable. Who do you think's the guy? Who do you think they acquire?
1: If you're going to go, if it's someone splashy, I think it'll be a Bogdanovich. Like, mm. if they go, like, that's, like, a, a, a serious trade. Um, someone, this would be crazy, but... <laughs> okay, I like um, crazy. I mean, it wouldn't be that crazy. It would be very creative of the, how the turn-offs do it. Um, but they can, if they're willing to go up Cantor and do some funky stuff with three-team deals and kind of trading and retrading guys, mm. they could conceivably bring board, like, an Iguodala mm. for a first-round pick, um... I don't think that will happen but it's uh I think that would be a big boost to the bench for a guy playing 15-20 minutes a game. So I do think just from talking to people around the league I think the the kind of trades they're looking for are guys that, you know, they can trust to play in a playoff series. Yeah. And experience up, meaningful upgrades over what they have and those two guys would would check that box. If we're going looking for a lower tier, you know, less flashy guy for either a second round pick or protect you first, or whatever, then I feel like you're looking at, you know, an Alec Burks type mm-hmm. um, or just another low cost shooter where you could do a one for one, you know, Trey Poirier and a pick uh, for that guy. And then you just have a, another shooting option on the bench. So um, yeah, like my guess is it leans more towards a low impact deal like that, because it's just, it's just easier to put together a deal like that. Um, but it would not shock me if they, you know, move a first round pick or in a second round pick and try to make a a bigger splash.
0: That would crush Ennis. He seems to love it here. Yeah.
1: And I do think too, it's like he is, I mean, for Bogdanovich, you wouldn't have to trade Cantor. That would just be like an equal deal. So that's why, again, that's, that might be a situation where you wouldn't make a deal like that either, unless you have a good replacement for Cantor at center. And you might not be able to get that on the buyout market or in a separate trade. So that might, Kind of pull plug on a deal like that, um, but at the same time, like you know, you I think it, it comes down to like who you know you you obviously need a guy like Cantor against the Sixers um, to you know go uh, strength versus strength against Embiid there, um, but then Cantor in a series against the Bucks, like his value might be limited because he can't guard the perimeter, and everyone on that team can shoot really, so. These are all, you know, I think a lot of the construction for this team heading into the trade deadline will be, okay, what, how can we best position our team to, like, take out the Bucs um, while also, like, you know, building for the future? Because I think that's, that's clearly the team you're going to have to go through here, it seems like.
0: On Robert Williams, just in the interest of, you know, this team trying to – add a big without having to actually acquire a big uh adam Himmelsbach had tweeted just as we're talking that he had a scan friday look good he'll continue to ramp up activity and i really do you know i was pretty high on robert williams really high on robert williams coming into the season just the mentality of you know i i believed and i i don't know how many times i tweeted it that i i thought i don't know if i still do but the injury has impacted that that you know, he was going to be the this team's starting center by the end of the year, and I felt like we were seeing some signs of that early on, and that potential, that possibility. Question is, of course, now as we chat here in early February, if he has time to, depending on even when he comes back, if he has time to really ramp it up and and be an impactful part of a postseason run. Do you do you think he can?
1: I don't think the others can count on it, um, but I think they would. It's it's conceivable. Just the they are very high on him internally for the long term, still, despite these injuries. They they like how hard he's worked, they like again the kind of the his feel for the game offensively with his passing and stuff. Stuff that, like, you know, uh, a Clint Capella is not nearly the passer that like Rob Williams is, even right now. And so, that sort of thing of being like, okay, if we can really, you know, if he really you know, figures out things on the defensive end, you know, know his spots, know where to be on the floor, know not to like, you know, bite on pump fakes and, you know, keep himself in position all the time. Like he has the the tools to be uh, a great center at a very cheap price for this team. So it's I, it's tough to envision it this year from a standpoint, it's like, you know, he's missed so much time and he's missing valuable reps where you can, you know, through play, kind of learn these skills more. But at the same time, he does a lot of things really well, and I think the team is committed to his development. So once he is back healthy in the regular season, I think the team will try to find out, Brad teams will try to find out quickly what he can get out of him um, for this year. And and how much that impacts the trade deadline decisions, we'll see. Um, but it is, it is a very intriguing wild card here in terms of what this team is going to do for both the now and the future.
0: Well, B-Rob, as you said, to start us off, it's going to be a busy week, should be a fun one. I'm sure it'll be one that uh, keeps you glued to your phone, Twitter updates and notifications and all that stuff. Again, we're just a few days away as we chat right now from NBA trade deadline. It's going to be Thursday, 3 p.m., and hopefully, I agree with you, I think this team makes a move. Hopefully it does make a move because I think the there are there's real potential for this club to i'm not going to go say win a championship or something although hey things break the right way anything's possible but to represent the east in the nba finals or or reach the eastern conference finals i don't think it's far-fetched to think that's a possibility at all so add to some of the weaknesses shape that stuff we'll see what happens but b rob really appreciate you hopping on again been a little while i hope all's going well with the winning plays podcast as well i know you're part of the clns media family
1: absolutely yep we'll be having some uh trade Primer podcast coming up uh in the next couple of days here as well and then reaction on there as well so it'll be obviously be a, a busy week on the network for sure
0: excellent stuff to look forward to b rob thank you very much all right thanks man brian rob boston sports journal a lot of good stuff from him today's show again brought to you by betonline.ag go to betonline.ag use the promo code clns 50 for 50 bonus on your next deposit so C's right back to work as we chat tonight they're going to be in Atlanta against the Lowly Hawks. You know, second, third worst team in the NBA, a team that Boston's already beaten once this year. Uh, as of this moment, yeah, they'll be shorthanded again. Kemba Walker with that knee soreness, not going to play, really should not need him. Marcus Smart, sounds like he's not going to play, a little sore from the last game. But again, you know, this hopefully this is not one of those trap games. You know, Celtics should go out, win this one pretty comfortably, and and get some guys some rest. But uh, more important than any singular game, as much as, as B-Rob talked about, you know one game does uh does make a difference along the way you know we're going to see at this point in time not just for the standings but what matters in the long haul and adding guys to this roster. Trade deadline Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thanks again to Brian Robb, producer Evan Valenti, Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. Thanks to uh, all of you for tuning in. You can subscribe to Celtics Beat. Go to uh, iTunes, search Celtics. Go to our YouTube page as well. There's a, a little bit of work being done to those to uh, get that channel uh, as you've always loved and known it. So stay tuned to that. Subscribe. Leave us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Continue to interact on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. Always appreciate that. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Let's go, Gino.